Of course, if we just jump right into it, what are we going to put at the beginning? What's up, everybody? Welcome into Pace the Nation. Broadcasting back here at Studio 1A in downtown Arlington, Virginia. We are in the heart of everything. Of course, that's Clarendon. I'm your host, Chris Farley, back again for another quarantine episode of Pace the Nation, episode 232. A full crew with me across from me in studio. My quarantine partner, it's Julie Cully. Julie, what's up? Hey, it's still raining. Um, I have a question, though, because does it matter if it rains if you're supposed to be quarantined inside? Like, does it matter what the weather is outside yes. if you're supposed when to you be have inside? a three-year-old and a one-year-old who need to get outside first, and a dog who needs to get outside. Yeah, yes, I guess that's it, true. It, it, it does matter. Well, let's bring in our other co-host, Docs, and ask him. Yeah, let's bring him in. It's William E. Docs. Docs, what's up? Does it matter? I, Julie, that's like a, that could be a 30 minute conversation. <laughs> that's not an introduction. Sorry. Talking about the, the, the rain. Yeah. Uh, but if you, if you just want me to, to handle this on a, on an introductory level. Yes. <laughs> when, when you're stuck inside, having it rain outside is the absolute best. It's the peaceful tranquility of things. It really is. Yeah. Okay. All right. I got that. That's cool. Yeah. I like, I like having a blanket and a book on a day where it's raining outside. It's nice. Yeah. Until until the kids start throwing throwing things at me, then right. it's not so great. Very true. See, but but it, it's perfect for right now because I, I am totally bummed out today. Uh, yeah. And Chris, I know I know you don't want me saying this, but I am frustrated because I don't understand how the most incompetent people can be in the most important positions in this country. Once again, last night, we're recording on a Friday, so last night we had ample evidence that totally incompetent people rise to the most important positions in this country, and of course, I'm talking about being an NFL general manager. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The NFL NFL draft was last night, and and boy, did did so many of these general managers just prove how dumb they are. (laughs) Uh, your favorite team, the Eagles. Uh, I guess they didn't have. I, you know, I went to bed before the Eagles picked. I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I. My team was so bad that we were in the first ten minutes of the draft. Um, but you had to wait a little longer. So I guess they didn't do as well as you'd hoped. I well, I think that that the uh, how many did you hear that sound? That's a lot of people turning the podcast off. Um, <laughs> I think that the the Eagles like some other general managers don't understand the economy of the draft and mm-hmm. the player that they drafted, they could have gotten later in the draft. So they could have traded back, gotten the guy that they wanted and additional assets, or they could have traded up for a player that's actually going to be good. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, maybe you can give them a little rope because like everything else in the world, everything was done virtually. So uh, this was the first time the NFL draft had been held virtually so maybe give them a pass. No. <laughs> no. But it it's not it's not just the Eagles that did a terrible job. There there were other other general managers that just make these 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 moves and you say, "How did you get that job?" There's only yeah. 30 NFL teams, right? Or is there 32 teams? I forget. I think it might be 32, right? 
Yeah. So there's there's only 32 general managers in this country in the NFL. How are they not awesome at their job? How are they like the amount of money that goes through that that uh, business? How are these just not the absolute best people at that position? I you know what? You make a good point. Um, you know what? I thought was kind of interesting. I only watched like five or ten minutes of it yesterday, but. The dynamic of it being uh, virtual was kind of strange because usually it's like this big rallying point yeah. when like the the player gets picked and the family's hugging them and there's like this big moment where they're excited and don't they like come up on stage and grab yep. their New Jersey or something? Yep. Okay, yep. so so it was at the it's Alabama. Not always in New Jersey. <clears throat> No, they're New Jersey. Right. <laughs> um, was it the Alabama quarterback that yeah. got called to the Bengals? No, the the Dolphins. But yeah, the Dolphins. Okay, yep. in that in that moment, he was like sitting with his family. Am I am I recalling the right yeah. one? Hawaii. Yep. Two yeah, words. sitting with his family, and the way that it was being like the information was being told to him, it was kind of like his parents gave him like a little bit of like a tap. Yeah on the shoulder I think there was, there was like, just no drama yeah, there to wasn't, it there, there was kind of a timing issue and you could really there was no like reaction yeah that was tough well i mean if you if if you really want to get into the weeds here which i don't think anybody does the the, <laughs> the first round of the draft usually usually what they do is is they decide there's like you know a handful 20 22 25 guys that that uh, have a first round rating and they are invited to the draft live, but it's a seven-round draft. Most players, mm-hmm. what you saw last night is is how most of the draft goes, where uh, guys are sitting at home with their families watching the draft on it's TV, true. and and they get a phone call, and and they show you know a lot of them have camera crews in their homes uh, to show that moment on TV. So you. You didn't. We missed out on the first round experience, or, or the typical first round experience. But what you saw last night was actually kind of normal. You're probably right for the for the rest of the crowd because there's like eight rounds yeah. of the NFL draft, and the first round seven is rounds. the dramatic yeah. seven rounds, and the first round is the dramatic one that everybody sees the highlights of. Yeah. So yeah, maybe it was a better uh, actual projection of what the NFL draft is. Good point, Docs. I got one more question about this, and I know we weren't even planning on talking about it, but Mm -mm. just in terms of sport, I'm really naive here, but it seems like a downer if you're one of the best players in the NCAA that you get picked by one of the worst teams in the NFL. Isn't that how it works? Like if well, the, if you're yes. the, if, if you're if the you best get, player, you're going to get on the team that had the worst record. I, I would say that they make so much money, it kind of exactly. masks <laughs> masks that issue. So the higher you're drafted, the more money you make. Yeah the the salary the salary cap and the and the collective bargaining agreement uh, basically determines how much money a team can offer a draft pick, and so the first person picked can make uh, way more money than the than the 32nd person picked. So so that initial contract is going to be much larger and you have the opportunity to turn a franchise around. And it's happened. It's true. Yeah. <clears throat> I guess uh, that the money itself would be a deterrent from feeling sad for going with a team that has been playing pretty poorly. Yeah. I'm I'm dying. I don't know how we pivot out of this, but I'm dying to get to the agenda. So uh, let me just <laughs> just just go hard, for it. Hard break there. Let, let me help you out with that agenda, Farley. Yeah. Uh, first, we're gonna do first round draft grades for every <laughs> NFL team. 
right, let me uh, let me go with my agenda versus Dox's agenda. Uh, a, a big show to get to. Uh, we've got a really exciting guest, a uh, someone who's on the front lines of this pandemic. Her name is Kelly Marchino. She is a physician assistant at uh, Priority Care Clinics in White Marsh, Maryland. She was a distance runner at the University of Maryland, and we're going to talk to her today about what it's like being on the front lines dealing with uh, COVID testing and dealing with potentially COVID patients and um, how it's affected her life and her family. So uh, excited to have Kelly on the program. A great article from Kellen Sung uh, in the Washington City paper. Uh, the, the article was entitled From College Athletes to COVID-19 Pandemic Frontlines, uh, and Kelly was profiled in that. So we're going to have Kelly on in just a moment. Also on today's program, uh, we're going to talk about a revolutionary running experience that I had, and I'm really excited to tell you about it. We'll tell you about that later on in the show. Uh, the Olympic trials, uh, the date has been set for 2021 officially, and we're going to talk about the USATF and uh, their president and the Olympic trials date. Also, uh, races are in the news. Uh, a big one was canceled, and some decisions are being made about races. Uh, and then finally, uh, there was a, a bar that uh, unfortunately closed. I think we mentioned this bar in the past. But it's officially closed, and Docs and I want to pay uh, homage to that bar and uh, tell a, a couple stories from this bar that has a lot to do with uh, track. All right. I, I, I was going to bring up the races before we get to Kelly, but we t had to talk too much football. So uh, let's, let's, let's bring Kelly in next. So uh, Kellen Sung, you know, I steal a lot of his uh, articles and, and pull guests from uh, people that he profiles. So thanks again, assistant producer Kellen Sung. Uh, Charlie and Kellen are, are really assistant producers on this program. Uh, he wrote a really cool article in the Washington City paper uh, profiling three college athletes who are dealing with uh, this pandemic on the front lines. So Kelly Marchino, and I think that's how you pronounce her name. She was a college athlete, track athlete at the University of Maryland. She's on the front lines. She is working 12-hour days uh, dealing with with issues related to COVID-19. She's going to join us next here on Pace the Nation. All right, welcome back to the program. And now, Docs and Julie, we are excited to be joined on the phone from somewhere in Maryland. It's Kelly. I'm, I'm going to butcher the last name. I said it's... Marciano? No, you no, said Mar you said Marcino. Marcino. All right, Ke Kelly, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. How I'm bad well. was that? Give me the pronunciation. Um, it's it's Marciano. Marci I got it. That was I was right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, All right, one so, point for me. Yeah. Well, I, uh, Kelly, I, I have a <laughs> I have a real issue with botching pronunciations of names. Um, <laughs> now, now your maiden name is a lot easier remind me much of, easier yes my maiden name was pry just okay. three letters short yes. sweet yeah yep. so maybe Super easy maybe pry maybe maybe she'll be kelly pry for this show no 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 no, 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 no. no. we're we're gonna keep challenging so you, it's Chris. like cappuccino so it's marchino no it's marciano nope. marciano <laughs> got it. Okay, got it. What, what? i do i do get maraschino a lot like okay. the cherries so. marciano <laughs> 
<laughs> yep. So where where is your where's your husband from? Where is the origin of that last name? Um, well, both his parents are um, you know Italian um, descendants. Mm. Their their parents had lived in Italy, um, so he's one hundred percent Italian. Uh, but he grew up in Bel Air, Maryland. Oh, um, just got about, it. Yeah, like 30 minutes from where we live now. All right. Well, we're going to get into your story, and, and I think he played soccer at Maryland as well, correct? Yep. All right. Yep, so that's where it, we met. Yep. So we'll talk a little bit about this and the impact on your family, but you are a frontline worker there uh, at a clinic in White Marsh. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. All right. Well, what before we kind of get into your history, I just want to give the audience kind of what, what your job is currently and what was your job before the COVID-19 pandemic hit? Yeah, so right now um, I've been at this urgent care since October um, of 2019 Um, and so that's where I'm working currently. It's a small privately run urgent care. There's four offices around Maryland um, and I primarily just work out of the White Marsh office that is the only urgent care kind of doing the COVID testing right hmm. now. Um, so that's that's a lot of what we're seeing um, over the last month or so. Um, and then previously, I worked in two different ERs um, for four years. So that's kind of what I started out doing. And then, um, as I'm sure you can understand, having a kid and just mm-hmm. wanting more of a work-life balance, I, I went the urgent care route that just gave me better hours and kind of afforded me that work-life balance that I wanted. Yeah, and you work um, three days a week. uh, Is it 12-hour days? Yeah, so it it kind of alternates. I'll either do three 12-hour shifts on Monday through Friday and then have that weekend off. And then the following week, I'll work two 12-hour shifts Monday through Friday and then work that weekend, Saturday, Sunday, um, because those shifts are only eight hours long. So it kind of alternates. Um, but it is nice, especially having like the random weekdays off, um, you know, just to hang out with my daughter and have that quality time. Yep, for sure. So Kelly was profiled with a couple of other former college athletes. The the article in the Washington city paper, we will tweet it out. It's from college athletes to COVID-19 pandemic front lines. Um, so you ran at the University of, uh, of Maryland. Kind of tell us, tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was such an incredible opportunity. Um, so I was offered a scholarship from Coach Bellman, who's still there now, mm-hmm. um, while I was just running the 400 meters and that relay at my high school down in Flower Mound, Texas, um, mm-hmm. which is where I lived before coming up here. So, um, yeah, my, my track career was interesting because I, I was brought in as a 400 runner and ran that my freshman year. And I did, you know, I did all right. But as much as I tried, like, I just couldn't get my speed fast enough to compete at that D1 level um, in the 400. So um, my sophomore year, I started doing workouts with Coach Bellman's wife, Meredith, who mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's sure. a yeah, former Olympian, like just one of the most badass women I've ever met. Um, and so she, she and coach Bellman kind of geared my workouts more for the 800 meters. And then that first spring meet I ran at Navy and went out and ran a two thirteen 
in my wow. first ever 800. So you didn't even run an 800 in high school? No, no, no. Uh, no. Wow. No, I ran. He when he was recruiting me, he wanted me to run an 800 just to see. And I think in high school, I I ran it once and had like 218 as my time. So, um, but basically after that point. Coach V was like, well, you're an 800 meter runner now. So. So, Sorry. So Kelly. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. I was like, no, so, <laughs> the workouts are so much harder. So Kelly, I know you're going to become a huge fan of the podcast. So you'll get to know our personalities here, but Docs and I ran at the University of Virginia. Julie uh, ran at Rutgers and now is currently oh, nice. the, the head coach uh, of cross country and track at Georgetown. That's that's her other job oh, besides awesome. besides podcasting. So yeah, she did yeah. some, she did some, um, reconnaissance on on you talked to danielle siebert this morning who talked to andrew yeah and andrew said that he he, andrew uh mentioned about your relationship with meredith and how special that was yeah she really she's just so impressive i mean she would she would come out to practices and we knew as soon as it was funny because at that point their kids were much younger um and when we would see the kids running onto the track before i even saw meredith i was like oh man, this is going to be a hard workout day. Like it's coming. <laughs> we would just like, we would hear children's laughter and immediately like our, our stomach would drop like, oh man, it's going to be a tough one. But uh, she was awesome. Yeah. And, and so you enjoyed, so you ran all four years there at Maryland? Yep. Wow. Yep. Ran all four years. That's, that's, that's fantastic. So, um, were you preparing for a life in the, the medical field while you were an athlete at the university of Maryland? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I came into Maryland, I was a kinesiology major and initially was kind of on the pre-med track and taking all those science classes and stuff. Um, And then kind of what I was saying, like with work-life balance, I I was um, told about the physician assistant profession, which really I wasn't familiar with at all before um, college and um, kind of took it kept going further with that and did the necessary prereqs and and then ultimately went to PA school from there. So, um, yeah, with my major being kinesiology and all that, that, that helped prepare me as well. And and you met your husband who was a soccer player there at, uh, yes. at, Mar- at Maryland. Um, so how did that, how did that go down? <laughs> so I actually met him like the first time I ever went out freshman year and uh we've we've pretty much been together since wow. like I I met him we went we had our first date at like the pop bellies right off campus <laughs> wow I've been to that pop bellies yes <laughs> yes yep I uh I ate my sandwich and then half of his meatball sub and the rest. Of his I mean, this, it was it was. I mean, how how could he not impress you with going I, to pot I know. I mean, I mean, coming that, from an Italian family, I think that um, <laughs> that sealed the deal for him. So, yeah, we um, we were together the whole time. So, yeah, he played soccer there. I mean, he had a really successful career too. We ran ACCs twice and or ACCs once and nationals twice. So. Yeah, that's very, very, um, very cool. So he's obviously an athlete. Um, yeah, is are you guys running together? Does he run? Do you run? Are you, <laughs> you running much at all? You have time for running at all now. I know. Um, I mean, I do have I have some time. Unfortunately, I don't run much anymore. Um, after college, I got more into like distance running and 
ran the Marine Corps Marathon, I think it was the fall after I graduated um, in D.C., which was such an awesome race, um, and, you know, was running longer distances for several years after college, and then I, I think it just took a toll on my knees, especially mm-hmm. since most of it was on pavement, and I have tears in both my meniscus, and it's just uh, pretty painful for me. I can still get out there and run pretty well for a few days, and then the pain kicks back in. So I'm fortunate I have a Peloton bike at home um, that I use for my workouts now and, like, go for hikes with my dog. But as far as, like, going for my long runs, unfortunately, I didn't get out much, and that was really my main outlet for an express release. Um, the Peloton is having to do for now. Did, did you just recently buy the Peloton because of their Christmas commercial? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I did. I did see the drama that unfolded from that. That was that, that was, was much talked about on this show. <laughs> yes, yeah, several oh episodes worth of Peloton commercial. It was just, uh, yeah, that was that was crazy. No, we had the Peloton. I think we got it. Um, maybe a year prior um and i was doing it here and there and then with my knees and stuff i've been doing it pretty consistently since probably last fall so well i'm sure it's an important part of keeping you sane um uh yes for sure right <laughs> during, now. This, during this time period during yeah. any time period really but, but probably particularly but for now sure, for sure now. oh yeah and, yes. And tell us kind of what your so what is your what is your job? What's your day like now? What are you doing currently as we record here on April 24th, kind of smack dab in the middle of of this pandemic? Uh yeah. what's it like? So, as far as like a, a typical work day, um for me usually starts around 6 o'clock. I'll wake up, I'll get in a Peloton workout um in the morning cuz if I don't do it then I'm not doing it at night after work. So mm-hmm. I kind of get that in, shower, and then leave for work around 7.30. And then I'm at the office from 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. seeing patients. And, um, you know, since we've been testing for the COVID-19, we've been seeing higher volumes over the last couple of weeks, especially. Um, so some de- some days we're seeing close to 25 patients a day. And of those 25, probably 20 to 22 are just coming in solely for, for testing. Um, yeah. So that's, that's a lot of pretty much all we're seeing right now. And Um, out of those 22 are coming in, how many are testing positive? So it varies day to day. I looked yesterday, um, just from what I've seen, um, since we started doing the testing in mid March. Um, and so, for just COVID-19 patients, I've seen close to 200, and of those, about 30 have returned positive. So about 10% are coming back positive. But, you know, some days, uh, like just last week, it was um, Monday and Tuesday, I saw close to 25 patients each of those days, and, um, you know, four or five each day came back positive. So it's just a little... uh, you know, a little nerve wracking seeing that. Yeah. And, and, and and how are you administering these tests? Take us kind of behind the scenes. I've seen like these horrific, like you swab somebody's nose and like, yeah, I, I know patients have come in like absolutely 
terrified because they've seen some like horror video that i i haven't seen it yet but okay. i'm sure there's plenty of them mm-hmm. um so basically the test is the same as a flu swab if anyone has had that done but it's just a small sterile um swab that's put into each nostril and i mean you do have to kind of get it back there because you have to reach where the back of the nose meets the top of the throat basically mm-hmm. um and that's where the virus is at the highest concentration. So kind of get it back there. I'm, I'm pretty gentle, <laughs> I like to think. Um, and, you know, it stays in there a couple seconds. You kind of twirl it around, and then you repeat it on the other nostril. So it's just a weird sensation and usually makes the patient's eyes water or they cough or sneeze. Um, so I always have them keep their mouth covered with their mask and just expose their nose when I'm doing it just to try to limit um any exposure sure um yeah. and then we put the swab into this viral medium and then put it in the refrigerator and send it out for testing and then the results the results now are coming back in like one to two days when we first started some of the tests took like five to our longest was nine days of having these poor patients wait to get their results back so thankfully that was um you know, that was resolved and they're coming back much quicker now. Now, now also behind the scene, I'm curious, I'm envisioning everybody in, you know, hazmat suits and just somewhat of a a, a triage situation at these clinics, but I'm sure it's way more organized than that, correct? (laughs) It is. It is. And especially, I think, you know, I'm more fortunate with it being an urgent care that um, we, we can kind of, control to some extent the amount of patients coming in at one time mm-hmm. um and so like we still get some walk-in patients but for the most part patients have been calling the clinic to find out about the testing and then we schedule them every 20 to 30 minutes so we only have one potential covid patient in our clinic at one time we use one room to do all the testing um, we have the patient fill out their paperwork in their car so they're not in the clinic longer than they have to be. And then we thoroughly sterilize the room after each patient. So, you know, with that regard, it's not an overwhelming amount of patients all at once. And we can kind of gear up um, with the necessary PPE. So for us, we have, uh, it's like a face mask with a face shield attached to it that covers our eyes. Um, And then we have an isolation gown and wear gloves so we're kind of kind of covered with the necessary ppe um that's great yeah have you guys um run into any issues in terms of supplies like have there been any moments where you guys weren't sure where you're going to get supplies from um uh not really we we've been pretty fortunate with it i still they kind of recommend us reusing the our masks and isolation gowns um so i try to like i'll wear the same mask and isolation gown for an entire shift um and then toss that and use a new one for the shift the next day so we're not having to really reuse them multiple days in a row like some people are in the hospitals and um so we have yeah we've been we've been fortunate with that um now it's got to be scary for your your family because you're obviously more exposed for you and your family more exposed than yeah. a normal person. How, how's that working? How is it for you guys emotionally? So I think um, 
I think we've handled it pretty well um, emotionally. Um, you know, I I have to try and take comfort in the fact that while I'm working and seeing these patients, I'm maintaining the proper PE and, you know, not wearing the same clothes or shoes that I wore at work into the house and, you know, washing my hands, kind of taking any possible measure I can to reduce the risk of, you know, being a carrier and bringing it back to, to my family. Um, so, you know, my, my husband's always been really supportive of me and what I do. And with this profession, there's certainly harder days than others, but I think most days we handle it really well. Yeah. And it, um, I mean, you guys got the two year old at home. Julie and I have, you know, a three and a, and you know, a lot of people have these young kids at home where, yeah. I mean, you probably had a childcare situation set up and how are you guys yes. handling, handling that? Yeah. Cause so, you're gone three days a week and you're gone. You're, you are, uh, you can't help. Yeah. So I don't know if, if I have it worse or my husband does <laughs> with, uh, being home with, with our two and a half year old. Um, cause it's, it, I'm sure you understand it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to keep them entertained and occupied all, all day. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, we, cause she was attending a daycare that was through the hospital I previously worked at. Um, and they were amazing and they actually stayed open, um, up until last week and they had a, um, someone test positive, and so now they're closed for the next couple weeks. But we've actually been keeping our daughter Mila home since mid-March, since this started, just because we didn't think it was worth the risk of wow. having her there. So, yeah, we've had her home with us for quite some time. And, I mean, I think we're fortunate that she is only two and a half years old, so she doesn't understand the full gravity of what's going on. And I think to some extent I've tried to shield her, Mm -hmm. um, to it. I don't think it's necessary to tell her, you know, there's a virus out there that can kill you. I've just told her there's something going around. It's making people sick and, um, you know, we'll get to see her cousins and grandparents as soon as we can. So I think honestly, she's just really enjoyed all this quality time at home (laughs) with me and my husband. She's being spoiled now. (laughs) Oh, totally. Yeah, totally spoiled. You you guys are probably running ragged, and she's like, yay, mommy and daddy are here. Oh, yeah, she's like, this is the greatest ever. Yeah, yeah. We, we with our uh, three and a half year old, we have a one and a half year old too, and the one oh. and a half year old doesn't, you know, he doesn't understand. But the three and a half year old is curious. He wants to know yeah. why he's not going to preschool anymore, like why he can't right. see his friends. And so we just tell him, you know, that there's germs and we can't go to the park because there's germs and the germs oh, are yucky. Yes. Um, yep. and so he's like, yeah, mommy, no, we don't want to go to the park. It's yucky. <laughs> like, <okay. laughs> so there's, like, yes, there's going to be yes, a day exactly. where we're going to take him back to the park and we're going to have to convince him that it's not ew and it's gross no and yucky. yucky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know we live, we live right across the street from her future elementary school and there's a playground behind oh. there that I wish, I wish they would just caution tape it off, but it's still like open so she always wants to go there and i, I keep telling her yeah. that that it's broken and that we can't <laughs> yeah. use it yet so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's yeah i think she's starting to catch on that i'm lying to her but i'll <laughs> i'll go with would, it as long as i can would you guys be interested in some suggestions from the audience yes please uh, docs does not have I, kids go ahead please i feel uh, like yes i feel like everybody could buy like a, a taxidermy bear 
<laughs> and and just you know get get other people to chip in and you just put you know you put like an eight foot bear uh, <laughs> next to the jungle gym and and then you say oh we can't go over there there's a bear it'll oh get us oh my gosh and then, you know like like that's uh, they're gonna have the nightmares show. they're gonna think the bear is gonna come to life too far and... away <laughs> Julie I didn't criticize your ideas <laughs> anyway uh, you know like like Elf on the Shelf you could just move the bear every day. <laughs> that is pretty good. Doc. Yes, that seems totally reasonable. <laughs> Taxidermy. All right. Uh, so uh, you're also getting sort of a vibe of, of the, the personalities on this show, which is great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, you know, back to your your job. Um, yeah. How how like has it been, and how how important has it has what taught you in track been to what you're doing now? I'm sure some of the resiliency you had to you know, uh, had to, to, to dig down and find and track probably is, is helpful oh, yeah. now. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I had mentioned it in the, in the previous article that I was a part of. Um, I think the main thing that running track gave me was mental and emotional toughness to prepare for this job. Um, you know, to survive as a successful, student athlete have to possess both um in order to step out on the track and achieve your pr that you put on all that training for because it's i mean with track unlike a lot of other sports it's just you against the clock and no one to blame but yourself if you don't perform and that an extra level of pressure and responsibility so with our current situation with the covid19 pandemic you know, I do feel an intense amount of pressure to see these patients and diagnose them correctly and, you know, really help prevent further spread of the virus if I can, if I can help out with that and keep people safe and healthy. So, but I think I'm better equipped to handle that pressure because of the situations and races and practices and everything that I conquered as a student athlete. This is kind of just another thing to yeah. overcome and and there ha- there's got to be some positives you're taking from your from your job um it's is it is it rewarding in in not just all stress but some rewards oh definitely definitely it's it's rewarding um for the relief i can give some patients when they do test negative and they can kind of resume their normal life um or just um you know being a resource for some patients who may need testing done that weren't approved by either their primary care or some of the testing centers because a lot of them are still using a very narrow criteria of fever, cough, sore throat, shortness of breath, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, the, the positive ones that I've been seeing, some, some definitely have those um, symptoms, but some they only have loss of smell and taste or mm. some very minor sinus congestion, like no cough, fever, nothing. So, you know, that's, I, I'm happy that I can actually see those patients, diagnose them, get them quarantined. So they're not out and about like, Oh yeah, it's just right. allergies. Right, like, exactly. No, it's not. It's not. It's, it's very contagious and way worse. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, so from your perspective, and I don't think anybody knows, but you're, a phys- you're the only physician assistant out of the four of us. So <laughs> you probably hold a little bit more credibility. Is, are we ever going to get back to normal? And when do you think that will be? Oh, I know. I feel like that's what, that's what everybody wants to know. I mean, I, I don't think we'll ever get back to the normal that we knew before, but do believe that we'll get back to some sort of normalcy but it's just going to take time and patience and I know that's easier for me to say because I'm you know I'm still employed and I'm not a small business owner or a server or or anybody else who's under extreme financial stress right now but you know it's the the social distancing and everything it's it's the only thing that we know helps right now. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't have a definitive treatment and even our diagnostic studies with the, the nasal swab and stuff, you know, they have their flaws and we, some, we don't even have enough supplies to do all the necessary testing and there's no vaccine, no established treatment. So, I mean, I, it sucks, but the, the social distancing and stuff, I think, is something that needs to stick around for a bit longer. And Mm -hmm. I think at least in Maryland, our governor Hogan, I think has done an incredible job, um, getting, getting some supplies and kind of maintaining the social distance and not rushing to reopen things prematurely. And and he, I feel like he's been super proactive and aggressive, which you have, you have, uh, applauded. It sounds like. Yeah, I think he's handled this incredibly. Well, what's not been shut down is is running. Um, so, <laughs> yes. So that's good. Um, or the Peloton bike. Or the Peloton bike. I know. So, thank God. So how important is that for um, our audience to continue to exercise and have that release? I I mean, especially for me, I I go crazy if I can't work out or have some sort of yeah, like running, Peloton bike, some sort of aerobic activity, um, I kind of turn into a different person if I, if I yeah. don't work out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's extremely important for physical and mental health to keep active, even if it's just going for a walk around the neighborhood and get some fresh air. And that's that's what I've enjoyed about this, too, is both my husband and I are home and we can go for family strolls in the afternoon with her dog and you know my daughter loves walking around the neighborhood i don't know if they're doing it much down in dc but they're doing the like bear hunt where people will put bears in their windows and so the kids can walk around the neighborhood and like point out and try to find the bears so she's loved doing that too Wow, Docs. I, I guess your idea was... You were on to something, Docs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, guys. <laughs> Sorry for the criticism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know that they're putting taxidermy bears in the windows, though. <laughs> I think you're talking about teddy bears. Yes, yeah, cute stuff. 
Uh, uh, they're doing that is really funny and ironic. Uh, that is really funny. It is. Uh, they're they're doing like rocks in, in on the we're on the Virginia side in Arlington. They're doing okay. like little rocks similar, but yeah, that is they're doing rocks in the like in some of the nature areas. Like the yeah. kids are painting rocks and hiding them for each other. It's really cute. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, but maybe that's a little less social distancing ish. Like yeah. the bears True. are actually like in the windows, and so the kids that's can cool. like walk around the neighborhood. But yeah, maybe we yeah, need to start that friend. movement here yeah i think you should no doubt all right kelly yeah. well uh you've been phenomenal thank you so much you know one one thing i want to point out i don't know if our listeners or my co-host uh, missed here she works a 12-hour day and gets up and does the peloton workout in the morning <laughs> so i mean that turns into like you would think ah you know i'm working a 12-hour day maybe i'll ta- have a day off no uh yeah that's no. imp- that's impressive so i don't know what uh the rest of our excuses are. I think you're shaming <laughs> us right now, Chris. I am. I, 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 I kind of am, but that is that is impressive. Glad to hear that you're uh, still be able to get out and be active or Peloton. And yes. All that is, I'm sure, super important for all of us right now. Um, Definitely. Kelly, uh, great stuff. Really appreciate the time. And yeah, your, of course. Your, your daughter um, was was phenomenal. Um, she she wasn't. <laughs> We didn't hear a peep. Is, is she on I uh, know. a device or bubble something? Guppies. What, bu- bubble bubble guppies on repeat. <laughs> okay. So for all the parents out there, yeah, if you need 30 minutes, that's, uh, that's yes. a good way to do it. Awesome yep. stuff. Awesome. All right. It's Kelly, and, and you pronounce her last name? Uh? Marci- Marciano. 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 Got it. There right. we go. It's the former Kelly yes. Pry. There <laughs> she, you go. She, Much easier. Yes. Jo- <laughs> she joined us on Pace the Nation Uh She's a physician assistant at the White Marsh Clinic there. Kelly, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Great stuff there. You're so welcome. All Have right. a great day, guys. There, there she goes. Kelly, she joined us on Pace Nation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back to the program. And thanks again to Kelly Marciano for joining us on today's program. Awesome stuff there from Kelly, a real hero in all this, honestly, like uh, really cool to hear her story and frontline worker that, um, you know, is actually exposed to patients daily who have COVID, which is just, you know, I hear a lot of people are like, "Ah, you know, I don't know anybody who's got COVID. Well, she sees them every day. Um, So really glad to have her on the show. Um, We will uh, tag her on Instagram and Facebook. So um, maybe give her a follow on Instagram when we get that out there. Uh, You can always follow us on Instagram. It's at Pace the Nation. Uh, We were just talking to her before she hung up after the interview. Her husband is now the coach at Drexel, soccer coach at Drexel, uh, which I thought was was really cool. Um, So she's got this running soccer connection. Um, She's got a two-year-old. She mentioned bears in the um, bears in the windows. I mean, she uh-huh. she is a perfect pace nation, um, you know. Well, candidate. She's, list, got, she's got a dog. She's got yeah. a kid. Yeah, she a ran track. Yes, yeah, she do- said. Yep. Yeah, she said a dog. Okay. So. I mean, if she's not a perfect candidate to be a P one of our show or be a big fan of our show, I don't know who is. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, the dog the dog thing checks out, so I think we're good. <laughs> she checks all the boxes. I mean, the bear does thing. She, does she have an underscore in any of her social yeah, media? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to find that out. Yeah. Good well, question. we could create a Twitter account for her. Yeah, that's true. And and, yeah. and create an underscore there. So we have opportunities. The bear thing. I mean, that is just 
the bear thing was great, but but yeah. uh, I, I guess also like uh, a fundamental staple is that you can't pronounce her name. Yeah, that's true. So <laughs> many things here. So, so that checks that box too. Yep, there's a lot there. All right, well, thanks again to Kelly uh, for joining us. Um, so a lot to get to in a little bit of, in, in a short amount of time here. Um, so we've talked about this bar before. Uh, the bar Coogan's, that's right outside the Armory. It's the track bar of New York City. And it's right outside the Armory. It is closing for good, unfortunately. I think we had talked about it closing before. Probably yeah. on maybe a year <laughs> ago. Uh, they rallied, and unfortunately, it is now closing. Uh, so that was in the news. And that just uh, reminded me, so many people in the kind of the track world have had such great experiences at the Armory and then hanging out at Coogan's afterwards. Uh, Julie, I know you've been there multiple times and Docs and I were there after we saw Alan Webb's final race, former guest Alan Webb's final race as a professional as he ran the mile. Um, and that was a really great experience. In, we in the Milrose games. In the Milrose games, yep. And then hung out this at is, Coogan's This is the track, just so everybody knows, this is the track that uh, that, that the Milrose games runs at and, yep. and on the same block but on the other side of the entrance is a a bar and after the Milrose games it, it was packed with track and field uh, yep. who's fans who and who's and who field. yeah and so we were hanging out with uh and we went too yeah exactly or who's who come on uh so i don't believe julie was there but it, docs you and i were hanging out with alan webb former guest former guest chris mm-hmm. lear and um having a great time um and and just maybe i don't know if we've recounted this story on on um Pace the Nation before, but Lear's Lear's a yeah. buddy of ours, and um, so we can give him a hard time. Yeah, he's he's an author. He wrote Running with the Buffaloes, and and uh, yep. he also wrote a, a book about Alan Webb's first year in in uh, Michigan. Yep, and we're having a good time, and you know we're having a couple beers, and Lear and Webb are there, and we're talking shop, and I guess we're ordering food, and I don't quite remember exactly what happened from there. Well, I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> we we had already eaten, mm-hmm. and we we sit down, and we're catching up with Chris Lear, and the waitress comes over, and he orders five things off the menu. He asks, are you guys hungry? It, it was it was you, me, and, and, and Joanna, oh, that's right. okay. cousin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there, were, there were four of us, in, including Lear, and... Uh, we all say, no, we're not hungry. And he orders five meals <laughs> and, and she comes and she drops all the meals off. And he like takes a bite out of, you know, the nachos bite from here, bite from there. I think he only tried like two things. There's all of this food. And then he gets up and he leaves. <laughs> I mean, he just leaves. Wow. And, and the waitress comes over and gives us the bill. It's like $125 worth of food that none of us ate that was just sitting on the table. He, Is that the story you wanted yes, to tell? Yes, that's the <laughs> It's a great story. That's the one. And, you know, Lear was probably pulled in 100 different directions, being the author that, you know, the celebrity there. And so we're stuck with the bill. So, uh, Lear, if you are listening, yeah. <laughs> if you are listening. Who does, he, who does he owe? Does he owe you, Chris? Uh, Docs. I think Docs paid for it. Wow. Well, I think Farley Farley couldn't cover it. I think I think, I think me and Joanna's cousin split the yes, bill. Farley right. couldn't cover. It. That's right. Joanna's cousin and 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 Doc split it. Yeah. So they uh, uh, give your uh, give Lear your Venmo uh, your information at some point here soon. <laughs> so that was our experience. Coogan's a great bar. Uh, 
and uh, it's closing, unfortunately. So um, you're not going to get the money out of them. That's for sure. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, and, and a lot of other news happening uh, right now. Uh, one, one is that races and track meets are all being rescheduled. Uh, the, the dates were set for the 2021 Olympic trials, and that just came out this week. So they will, they will be uh, June 18th through June 27th. You know, this show is always angling to, to go to the trials and broadcast and all that stuff. So we're just always throwing yeah. it out there. So uh, June 2021. Oh, my 21. gosh. We did this bit for the marathon Olympic trials until finally Brooks brought <laughs> us down. So we're, 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 we're jumping back on this yes, bandwagon. We're, we're again, <laughs> we're again begging for somebody oh, to man. take us and uh we'll, we'll well you know we'll do some podcasts we'll interview folks uh but the uh the the olympic trials in june of 2021 june 18th through 27th well julie we could do another live podcast where you and i don't talk at <laughs> oh that'll be fun. so that was so fun i felt so <laughs> empowered that day yeah all right i got nothing on that i can't yeah, wait i got nothing <laughs> all right so <laughs> So let me let me let me uh, pass Julie. Let me give Julie the stage here then, because uh, in USATF news, <laughs> smart man, there there was uh, some news about their president Max Siegel this week. Interesting news about uh, uh, Siegel and uh, kind of his compensation package. Yeah. So this has been a little bit controversial in the track and field community. Uh, Max Siegel, who is the CEO of USA Track and Field, uh, they finally released in the last week or so their 2018 tax returns, which is a little suspicious why it took well over a year mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to post this, or I guess depending on when they actually did their tax returns, not important. But uh, Max received $1.8 million as the CEO of USA Track and Field with deferred payments of retirement and some other bonuses uh, that I think are supposed to be paid out between now and 2023 for uh, almost $5 million. Um, so that was all listed in that 2018 tax return Um I believe there's close to 20 people within the organization that are making over six figures. And so there's been a lot of questions in the community of, of why there are such um, enormous numbers in terms of the way that we're funding uh, people at the highest level within our federation. Yeah, these, these executives are making huge money for a fledgling USATF uh, um, business. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways to look at it, but uh, Max has brought in a contract with Nike that's worth over $500 million, but Mm -hmm. he also signed away the rights to USA Track and Field to 2040, uh, which is pretty unprecedented. They said um, in an article actually in the Washington Post that Max's salary is seven times the average of a uh, organization that is uh, working with a, a similar amount of money, a like nonprofit, US, U.S. swimming or something like that. Yeah, so he's making seven times that figure, and so USA Track and Field, the community has a lot of questions about why this is the case. Uh, they talk a lot in this particular article about how um, it's less it's less being run like a nonprofit and more being run by like a big business. 
Um, and you know, I think athletes will oftentimes step up and say, you know, there's so few, there's, there's not a lot of money going around that's actually being, you know, able, uh, used directly to support the athletes who are making these teams, who create that TV exposure, um, who are winning medals, things like that. But, you know, Chris and I talked last night and, and the one thing that kind of bothers me about it, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a proponent of saying, you know, you've got to completely spread the wealth around. You may need to have a high level executive CEO that's capable of bringing in that kind of money. Um, but there's a lot of programs that I think that USATF is really lacking in. Um, and it's not necessarily just the direct impact in the elite level. Um, but USA Track and Field's responsibility is from youth all the way up uh, to that elite level. Um, and there's a lot of programs that, you know, other other entities across the country have kind of had to step up um, and create resources for that maybe the Federation hasn't. So hmm. there's there's a lot of things, there's a lot of uh, opinion out there. This is a really big topic, uh, certainly in social media. Um and there's one of the things that I think is is really interesting and uh, has been actually pretty upsetting for people. There was a third party that helped negotiate the contract between Nike and USA Track and Field. And that third party is uh, collecting $23.75 million over the course of the contract between USA Track and Field and Nike. Uh, and I'm, I'm for people, everybody should make as much money as they can. Um, but my issue is, is that, yeah, they're throwing around those big numbers and I just don't see, I mean, if there was TV ratings to, you know, back this stuff up, I just don't know where the money's coming from unless it's just from Nike. Well, what what was the point of? Uh, this is the first I'm hearing okay. about this, so I'm 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 jumping in. Yeah, very much like in 2020, you, you just jump feet first into <laughs> stuff true. that you that only heard true. about 30 yes. seconds ago, uh, and and have a very strong opinion. <laughs> um, but what it sounds like to me is that they negotiated this deal, th- this 20 year deal with with Nike, and then now they're just spending all of the money yeah. on on the people that negotiated this deal. That money sounds like it's going to dry up before that would the contract be my worry. dries up. Yeah, th- I think that's I think like, that's some of the concern for yes. sure. I think you nailed it. Well, I, I I think that 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 as long as you like can allocate the money, if you look at it and say this is this is our source of income, and you can justify where the money's going over those years, and then build into that that budget. Uh, payroll and bonuses and and whatnot. Fine. It sounds like they're allocating all of the money to right. payroll bonuses, um, and and not even spreading it out over forty years. So uh, to me, it sounds it sounds very. Again, I haven't looked at the details, but it sounds very financially irresponsible. Yeah, and and a bit corrupt. Yeah, it's a it's interesting. Um, you know, but this uh, corrupt use the word corrupt. I mean, I think that's a a theme for a lot of these uh, organizations. You, you, you. I know you're, you're, yeah. you're uh, very uh, vocal about uh, how FIFA. FIFA. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's it smells like FIFA to me. I think. Yeah, I think I think what I you know my concern is I, I want to see where 
where some of this funding is going to from the for more the grassroots level right so if we're doing more programming if we're designing more education if we're taking some of this money you know i I don't think we can just rest our hats on saying like wow we had 32 medals in the rio olympics like you know that's phenomenal but um and, and but usa that's kind of that's kind of saying that usa track and field is responsible for those things there's a lot of a <laughs> yeah. lot of entities that are responsible including the athletes including the ncaa including these developmental systems that have led to 32 medals i don't think you can just as the as the ngb like you know rest your hat on like well we got 32 medals so we can spend as we like like there's a lot of things that i think you know, as a as a USATF member, as someone who competed for Team USA, you know, I would like to see uh, a little bit more of the curtain rolled back of like, where is it being spent to continue to foster education, to continue to foster programming or to advance programming um, to really, really like, you know, um, buffer the system and, and take care of um, really building the next generation and, and bringing USA track and field and bringing track to, you know, a, a higher um, level of exposure in the sports world. Well, I'm not sure we're going to answer uh, any of these huge questions, but I think it's good that we brought them up. Good discussion points. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if a lot of, I think a lot of people were like docs and kind of in the dark. So um so I'm glad you brought it up. Myself included. I'm glad you brought it up. But I do like that in 2020 you just make uh, quick statement judgments and give you one fact yeah, and yeah. make a judgment hard. on it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This podcast, of course, is sponsored by Pacers Running. Pacers Running with six area DC locations. Pacers Running is for every run. Uh, go to our website, runpacers.com. You can get fit virtually. Uh, we've got a full line of footwear, and we're putting accessories and apparel online as well. Uh, our people are working. We're shipping stuff out. Uh, we are virtually fitting you daily, uh, and and a lot of people are running. Uh, so go to runpacers.com. We can help you out. All right, uh, Docs, um, I wanted to get an update on your um, water situation over there. I, I, not only me, but our oh, audience definitely needs an update on the water situation at the Docs oh, household. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's, it's, it, we're, we're, in, we're in good shape now, uh, but I am totally broke. <laughs> and, and this has occupied my attention this last week. I, I don't know if, how much I talked about I think I talked about this on the podcast you before, did. but just kind of a summary. Mm-hmm. Um, sometime in January, I looked at my water bill and it was, it was, uh, offensive how high it was. <laughs> and right. through, through the course of, of the last, see, that was, that was like almost three months ago, or this has been almost a three month process. I've determined that there was a water leak in the yard and, and, and then finally decided that I was going to replace the pipe, but it was like, nothing is easy in this world. Um, and I needed to have Miss Utility come out a bunch of times to mark the yard because they weren't marking everything or they didn't realize this and my pipes and, and, and everything goes through my neighbor's yard as well. And so like we'd call them out and they would just, just mark my yard, but not the neighbors. And then they'd come out and just mark the neighbor's lines through their yard. It was just ridiculous. Finally got all of this taken care of, uh, dug a bunch of holes, had to dig a hole in my house. Uh, for the new line, a couple couple holes in the neighbor's driveways, in the neighbor's yard. Everything is, is there. I don't have a leak anymore. I'm not wasting water, which I'm very happy about. Um, but the, the whole process was, was extremely expensive. 
My favorite thing about this was, and, and, and I posted this. I don't know if people understood what I was talking about. It's at Weemy Docs. Yep. Yeah. I, I, on my Instagram story, they, they had they they came in and they they connected the new pipe and everything. You know, the water worked, but there was a huge hole in my laundry room. And the guy told me, okay, we're taking off. We're done now. And I was like, oh, we're done? <laughs> like, there's a hole. Right. We are not done. I, yeah, I, we're not done here, I buddy. Didn't, I didn't have a hole in my laundry room before you came in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. That would give me so, high anxiety because I can do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was like, I, I can actually see dirt. You know, this is. So this you could have like poor concrete. That this was, is awful. Wow. That was in my house. Uh, well, they, they, they came back and they, they did that. And then, you know, there, there's always little things on these kind of jobs. And uh, I'm just happy that the whole exercise is over. It, it was giving me anxiety mm. uh, how much water was just being wasted. Um, I'm not going to confirm or deny that, that the water had been shut off a few times <laughs> uh, over the course of this time. Um, but you know, it's nice that it's not leaking out anymore. Well, it's so expensive. My insurance isn't covering anything. Um, I am raising my rates for, for pace. The right. nation. I hope you can <laughs> well, afford $15,000 well, an episode. Well, at least, <laughs> well, at least you, uh, you know, there's no financial crisis going on right now, uh, for, for you yeah, or anybody else. Thing. Yeah. That's the yeah, good thing. That, that's helpful. All right. A couple of last things. Uh, I got one, uh, life changing thing I want to get to, but, uh, we, I want to talk some races next week. Uh, Berlin was canceled. That was big news, but Germany is allowing 5,000 or people, uh, 5,000 people or less in races. So that's what they're uh, saying right now in Germany. So that is big news. Yeah. We'll talk some more about that next week. But Berlin is September something. September was September 20 something. And uh, the fact that that's canceled oh. uh, is, is, is not a good sign for our fall marathons. It's not a good sign for fall marathons. And, and if I could just, just say this, Germany seems like they are doing a really good job with COVID. They seem like they have things uh, handled very well and, and, and what they're doing, certainly setting the bar for every other country. So uh, to see what they're doing is, is, you know, it's a good indicator, but you, sh- you should also put it in the context that uh, they're, they're handling everything very well, much better than most other countries. They do still have a lot of cases, though, Docs. They've got, I'm looking up right now, it says they have 153,000 confirmed cases. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say it's probably 6, easier, and I don't want to get into political, or it's easier to handle things in Germany than it would be in the U.S. I would, I would. I'm excited to see what they're going to do, right? So if they're going to have these events, maybe that will kind of help us set, set the, the stage or yep. set the precedent of like how to you know, manage these fall races, how to manage some of these opportunities that I know people are desperately trying to figure out, you know, how to work moving forward. Well, I, this is, this is science. This isn't political. <laughs> okay. uh, my, my, under, my understanding is that, that they have a, a much better idea of their current situation mm-hmm. because they are doing a lot better job testing. Right. And, and so I think that first you need to be able to test your population before you can come up with a plan on how to handle that population. And that's that's really what it comes down to. And yes, they have uh, a lot of people tested high, but, but they probably have a much higher percentage of people tested. That is very true. Absolutely. Um, 
and we will talk more about races uh, in the next couple of episodes. I've got some ex- we've got some exciting guests lined up, and I do want to talk some races because that is moving quickly and changing uh, every single day. It seems like. All right. Finally, uh, I teased the fact that I had a life changing running experience, and I'm sure other people are doing this. So I know I'm not the first one. You're not going to take credit for it? I'm not going to take credit for it unless I am the first one. And actually, it was my friend who recommended it. But I meet our buddy Chris for a run every week, every Wednesday morning usually. Um, we meet about 6.30 in the morning, go for about an oh, hour run. is this a friend that I know? Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah, isn't yep. it funny how we said a friend as if friends. like all of us aren't also friends yes, with him? right. So uh, a friend of ours. Well, apparently we're not, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> we meet... We meet uh, Wednesdays at 6.30, and that's been obviously put on hold or uh, paused for now. Uh, he texts me on Tuesday and said, hey, why don't, you, why don't we run at 6.30 tomorrow or 6.45 tomorrow morning? Put in your earbuds. I'll call you. I'll have my phone. I'll have my earbuds in, and we'll go for this virtual run. He's two hours down the road at, at his lake house. I'm here in Arlington. Um I go my hour route, he goes his hour route, and we're on the phone on our earbuds the entire time. And we're like, we'll try it out, see if it works. It was an A+. Like, literally, we were talking the whole time. Like, you know, and, and I would say that it would be probably annoying if, you know, one person is huffing and puffing and the other person is, you know, not running. But when you're both running and huffing and puffing at the same time and talking, it was incredible. Like when we're someone like me or a lot of us who are kind of short on time and you connect with people through runs, I had that experience back that has been taken away from all of us. Uh, And it was really, really cool. So I would say, give it a shot with a friend that you usually run with. Say, hey, we're going to meet at this time. We're going to call each other. We're going to run with our phones and we're going to, you know, talk for the 30 minute run or whatever it is that you do. So I am currently scheduling... um, running uh dates with with friends so docs i'll, I'll uh <laughs> i'm telling you it was amazing it was awesome it was like an a oh no i'm sure it's great <laughs> i'm sure um but i i will just throw out there and i think it's a great idea and i think i think this is a uh terrific way because people that's one of the reasons why people uh, run together sure. is is for that community so you get that connection the only thing i'll throw out is is make sure that you're still aware of your surroundings yeah. while you're you've got these earbuds in yeah and i went on a, yeah it's good yeah, i mean i went on a, my regular route that i can do with my eyes closed and i think that's a good call but it was uh well you can you could run with your eyes closed unless there's other people that are in the way and, and you need to be aware of <laughs> other true. people that's true uh, but it was a it was an awesome experience. And if I could add, um, I, I think it's great if you if you want to hang out with people, but only only after you've already listened to Pace the Nation. Right, of course, <laughs> of course. Pace the Nation first, then run with a friend later. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to promote a future show. I think it's going to be in two weeks. We're going to try to do a live broadcast uh, with Asics and Emma Bates. Uh, she is a runner who uh, finished top ten at the Olympic trials. And had an experience with COVID-19 uh, after the Olympic trials. So I just wanted to tease that episode. We're going to try to do a live broadcast with Emma Bates with ASICs. They're going to sponsor the event, and that's coming up in the next couple weeks. Uh, I think we're kind of getting, you know, we're figuring this uh, remote broadcasting thing out. 
Yeah, I think we are. I do feel bad for Doc sometimes, though, because it's it's hard to see him to be able to like you know I him know. flag Tag us him to, yeah. to interject know. and stuff. But you know what I was going to say? Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were starting these you know, right after COVID started to really pick up in the U.S., we kept saying, like, we're not going to talk about it. Like, we're going to talk about positive <laughs> no. things and, like, every single episode. But but I think that's just where we are in the world that's right true. now. We're, like, we're trying to yep. to manage what's happening, you know, and, and we're trying to share good stories and, and, you know, like this with having Kelly on today, it's like people who are on the front lines who are seeing it, who are testing for it. You know, I think that it's just a an opportunity for us to share some of the goodness that's happening uh, yeah. despite it being kind of a tough time for so many. No doubt. But I, but I think it's also fair to say that, that the bar has changed for what qualifies as exciting news to talk about on a podcast these days. Um, like literally was, was I pitched the idea of, of telling you guys how much my grass has grown in the front yard versus how much it has grown in the backyard. Woo! And uh, I was I was going to do a whole 15-minute 15, 15 segment talking about <laughs> how I shaved my beard this week. So <laughs> it makes sense that, that we talk about COVID because the alternatives are not so exciting. <laughs> Send us some pictures, Docs. Maybe we'll, we'll tweet out uh, pictures of the length of your grass on one side of the yard versus the other. Hey, Farley. Yeah. Do you know all the different places you can buy random row beer in Northern Virginia? You know, that's something I should know, but I don't. Well, let's say that, that you live in the center of the universe. The closest place to buy random row beer is to go to the brew shop in Arlington, which is down by the courthouse. No kidding. Yeah, so you could that's, actually... That's not far at all. You could walk from, from your house. We're not going to say where you live, but everybody knows where the center of the universe is. So I guess you just point a compass... Uh, they could find your house because the, the compass, yep. the compass needle will point to your house, the center of the universe. Uh, so yeah, you, you could actually walk to, uh, the brew shop in Arlington to get beer, but let's say that you, you don't live in the center of the universe. I don't know what you're doing with your life if you don't live in the center of the universe, but mm-hmm. you can now get random row beer at Whole Foods in Tyson's Borough, uh, the brew shop in Arlington, Wegmans in the Potomac, Wegmans in Alexandria, Wegmans in Fairfax, Wegmans in wow. Leesburg. Um, wow. And, and that's in addition to what we talked about last week by going to Cold Country Salmon and having them deliver it to your front doorstep. I mean, so many great options, Docs. Uh, I didn't realize that. I appreciate you educating me. I, but I, I'm, I lost all credibility calling you the, uh, <laughs> a, a dipper. No, dip I, think, I think you should just <laughs> double down on the dipper. Well, you know what? Here's what I like. I love the hazy pale ale. Okay, I'm gonna stick to that. I can uh-huh. pronounce that. It's uh, it's. I, I think it's it's one of the best beers that Rainbow has currently. Yeah, but uh, hazy pale ale is the description of the beer. It's not the name of the beer. <laughs> oh, it's a mosaic. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a mosaic. <laughs> sorry, the mosaic. It's a hazy pale ale. I am the worst pitchman ever uh, for this uh, random row. It's okay. Um, it's genuine. It's genuine. Yeah, it is. So I love random row beer. Mosaic is my choice. Um, and I'm just going to leave it at that. You love random row beer so much that you don't even take the time to read the label. You just crack that can and drink it. That's it. You got it.
All right, guys. Great show. Thanks again to Kelly. And what's her last name? Marciano. Marciano, the former Kelly Pry, for joining us. She's the frontline worker who is at the clinic in White Marsh uh, doing hero's work. So thanks for Kelly for joining us. And Docs, just a quick thank you for the shopping cart content on Instagram. It's William E. Docs on Instagram. I think you're the only one who, who likes that I posted. That, I loved it, and our, audi- our audience did too. All right, that's William E. Docs. For Julia Cully, I'm Chris Farley. This is Space Nation. We'll see you next week. to figure out how we're going to do a live broadcast next week yeah we're no it's the following week may t- uh-huh. may 8th yep they're going to broadcast on instagram live for um on a6 instagram live more details about that to come do, do they have do they have somebody i could talk to about yes. that yes so I, I i am talking to them this week I was so confused what we were doing I here. Know. That that I, was the. I'm that not was sure the, how the that's going to sound. I don't know how it's going to sound with the music. That on was end. too long. Yeah. Um, all right. So now the music is playing. Um, let me let these fire trucks go by. We'll just talk about. <clears throat> I'm going to guess that it's Marciano. <laughs>